on prayer. Um, before the holidays, we finished the Holy Spirit there in the middle. And uh, last week, Victor started prayer, the next session. Um, as a review, um, he went through, asked questions about what prayer is. And basically, it's communicating. It's just talking with God. It's, it's nothing mystical or, or otherworldly. Um, it's just simply talking with God, right? as we would talk with anybody else. We can do it whenever, wherever. There's no uh, standard formula or posture. You don't have to get down on your face and fold your hands and, and close your eyes, bow your head. Riding in the car, you can talk to God. Right? Um, and you went through uh, the nature of prayer um, in, in those verses. And the practice of prayer, uh, a bunch of verses there. Uh, and next week, he's um, continuing with where we left off on the top of 50, if you have your book, um, with the Lord's Prayer. Um, and I'm going to backtrack to the bottom of page 48, where it says, Prayer is effective. Prayer can change situations and people. We are encouraged to pray expecting results. Um, so I'm going to just focus on that section. It's on the bottom of page 48 today. Um, so it should be short and sweet. Just one little section. I got 643 slides. And, uh, <laughs> but this is an important aspect of prayer. What makes prayer effective? Um, there's a lot of misconceptions about uh, how we pray, posture, attitude, so forth. And so I'm going to look at some important considerations in effective prayer. And this mostly comes from uh, uh, Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. Um, he says, Scripture indicates a number of considerations that need to be taken into account if we offer the kind of prayer that God desires from us. So the first one is praying according to God's will. And can somebody, I can pick on people, but if somebody wants to offer up reading 1 John 5, 14 to 15, uh, we did read this one towards the end last week. So we talked about confidence part of that passage last week. Um, but it goes along with God's will. If we're praying according to his will, we can be absolutely certain. Now, we want to develop an attitude of prayer where we, uh, as mentioned in previous slide, expect God to listen and act. But we can have confidence because his will is what he wants to do, right? If we're praying according to that will, we can expect him to act. Um, going to have some uh, Greek in this lesson today. I, uh, just for those of you who want, uh, there's an app called the Blue Letter Bible. Um, it's free, online, or an app you can download. I use it quite often. Um, it gives any passage you can look up and see commentaries, the Greek, the Hebrew, um, uh, other references, 
uh, where it's at throughout the Bible. Uh, it's a great resource. Um, but it really helps uh, in getting a feel for what the words mean, because sometimes the translations don't really convey the thought of the, uh, the original language. So confidence here, and I won't attempt to pronounce the Greek, but it's free, fearless, unreserved assurance. And just goes to the point again, we can absolutely be certain if we're praying according to God's will, he's going to answer, he's going to act. Um, sometimes we, we, we pray hoping, uh, in desperation, uh, but there's an attitude of absolute calm assurance that God's going to hear us. His will is his desired determination and purpose that shall be done. God's going to do what he wants to do. We can have confidence in that. Can anything alter God's will? Any thoughts? Can anything alter his will? (laughs) It's not a trick question. (laughs) Kirk, you mean he changes his mind? Do you have an example? Mm-hmm. Yeah, how do we know if God's changing it over that was his will all along? Right. That would be my question. <laughs> yeah, Osborne. And what about when he uh, destroyed everybody in the flood? You know, he says he, he re- repented <laughs> or he changed his mind. Uh, we understand that's anthropomorphic language, right? It's from our perspective. God, God's will, he doesn't change, right? We, we talked about immutability before. He never changes. Yes? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. So, it, it's a means God uses. Right, but I mean, God doesn't need to use those means, right? So, right. It, it's a means he's established, yeah. right? Just like he's established blessings and curses, you know. Yes, Kurt. Well, he did talk about that too, right? He said he, he delayed. Um, he, it was his will. Yeah, he delayed for a, a reason to glorify himself, right? Ellie, can you read Matthew 6.10? Okay. Again, the same word for his will. We don't come to pray with our will in mind. Right? So often we, we pray when we need something. And if we don't need anything, if everything's going okay, then we, we, don't, we don't talk to God. We don't consider what he has in mind, what his agenda is. Your kingdom is the royal realm of dominion ruling kingship. That sounds more grandiose. <laughs> but it's a reminder that everything was created by him and for him. And so our prayer should be aligned toward that thought. His whole plan of redemption, the whole Bible is about him. So that's, that, we should keep that in mind when we're praying. What does he want? What's his agenda? What type of things does this imply we should be praying for and about regularly? Any thoughts? Yeah, I, you, know, you guys know I pray for that regularly. Let's start heaven. <laughs> Tony? So how should we pray for the lost? Right, we should pray regularly for salvation. Right? What about those that are already saved? How should we pray? That touches on the one another's way we always talk about, right? We should be praying for one another. Yes. yes. 
and Edwin will actually be preaching about that in the sermon today. So this all ties together. But we should pray that people look more like Christ, right? We want sanctification. Christ prayed for that, right? Sanctify them with your word. That was, that was on his mind and his heart when he prayed. And if not Christ, at least look more like Carl. Right? Um, John, can you read Matthew 26, 39? Again, we can ask anything of God, right? And that word possible there is not really uh, perchance. Uh, it really goes to uh, God's power. If it's within your power, nothing is impossible with God, we know. So we talked about translations earlier. Uh, it's, it's, that word possible doesn't really mean perchance. Uh, it's the word donados, donados dynamite. We, we've heard that before. Um, according to your power, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, your will be done. So we can ask for anything, but we have to have the mindset that, you know, still, if it's not your will, Lord, uh, your will be done. Christ shows in our humanity it is fully okay to inquire of God, the Father, with regards to a situation, but we must be fully accepting that our desire may be contrary to his plan. Any thoughts? Comment? Questions? Sherry, can you read Romans 8.27 for us? Intercedes to entreat in favor of. So the Spirit interceding in favor of, of what? Of God's will, right? He's, if we don't know what to pray for, the Spirit's interceding on behalf of the Father. We see that in Acts 21, 11 to 14. I'm not going to read that. But a question that came up in the men's group a couple weeks ago, um, can we or should we pray directly to the Holy Spirit? What do you guys think? We don't see that in the Bible? John's shaking his head yes. Anybody else? Well, if the Spirit is interceding, for us? What does that uh, suggest? Is the Holy Spirit God? Let, let's read uh, at Acts 21, 11 to 14. Huh? Go ahead. Who, who said uh, Paul's going to Jerusalem? The Holy Spirit, right? And Paul didn't want to contradict what the Holy Spirit was saying? The Holy Spirit is God, right? He said the will of the Lord be done. I'll just leave that there, unless anybody has any more comments. I'll let Freddie tackle that in a couple, couple weeks when he uh, preaches on that area. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. They're all there. So what is God's will? Do we know God's will? And if we're to pray according to his will? Yeah, that's a good answer, yes. Go ahead. Amen. You both said studying the scriptures, and that is so true. We we always harp on that here. Grow in grace and knowledge. So many people struggle um, in their life. They're not reading. They're not praying. So in that example we read from Jesus, he didn't know if it was God's will that this cup would pass, but what you said in general, let your will be done. 
but yet from studying scripture, we know his will in certain things. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, the will of God is our sanctification. Growing Christ's likeness, putting away sin. His will, according to Hebrews 13, is to equip us for good works that are pleasing to him. 1 Peter 2.15 says his will is for us to do good. Even the Old Testament, Micah 6.8 says, the will of the Lord is to act in mercy and justice. Uh, Second thing uh, Grudem says is that uh, it's important that we pray in faith. John, Maya, can you read Mark 11.24? Praying in faith. We talked about confidence earlier. Uh, Belief. The word pisteo, a hardened and committed trust. I mean, he's sold out to it. I mean, so often we, we don't really have faith or believe. Like I said earlier, we pray in desperation. Um, but God wants us to trust him. We pray because we're depending on him. We're deferring to him. So there should be a trust and a confidence there in who he is and what he can do. It's, it's interesting he uses the past tense received, collected, attained, laid hold of. It's already in our possession. When we have that kind of faith, when we we are fully committed to his person and his ability to answer our prayer, um, effective prayer, we we already have it. Again, it goes in line with with everything we've talked about before according to his will. Um, If somebody can, well, I'll read Hebrews 11.1. We see this prefixed in the Hall of Faith chapter. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So there's no wavering. There's no, I hope. Uh, it's a serious belief in who God is and what he, he can do. Miriam with a Y, can you read Romans 8, 27? Okay. We saw that earlier and treat in favor of. Uh, I doubled that. Sorry about that. Uh, let's move on. Matthew 21, 22. Chastity, can you read that? Okay, again, just saying, if we have that faith, the same word, a hardened committed trust sold out to, Jesus is challenging what we actually and fully believe. Do you believe in God? We say we believe in God. We trust God. Uh, he's challenging uh, those that he's talking to. <laughs> Do you really believe that? And I'm not stepping on toes or being legalistic here, but how, how come we have so few people joining Wednesday prayer meeting? Uh, so many believers that say they struggle to pray regularly. He says you have not because you ask not. In James 4, 2, and 3, we see both committed, uh, trusting prayer and his will go hand in hand. He wants us to talk with him. He wants us to have faith in him. Osborne, can you read James 1.6? Yes, Freddie, go ahead. Any thoughts? Because I'm probably the wrong person to ask. I'd be like, take me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, don't heal me. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, go. yeah. It's hard. I, I would defer to Jesus, his example, you know. He didn't want to go to the cross. He, he understood he, there was going to be that separation with the Father. That's his agony. Um, they were together for all eternity. 
Um, he, he was going nuts trying to understand that was going to happen, but yet he said, yet yeah, not my will, but yours. Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's easy to give the theological, academic answers. You know, we all know those. You know, everybody's going to die. Everybody's a sinner. It's appointed, somebody said earlier, once for man to die. But when it becomes personal, <laughs> then you start questioning. Even though we know everybody's going to die, when it becomes personal, why, why, why? Um, but what you guys said earlier, um, prayer and scripture, we have to develop that relationship with Christ. <laughs> he's small, he's very yeah, he's a yeah, doctor. yeah. He looks amen, amen, Freddie. Sorry, John, I have something to say. Got John. I'm sorry. Okay. You had something? Yeah. There's some slides further down we ain't gonna get to today about relationships and, and with God and, and prayer. Um, but yeah, you had James one six. Okay, faith again, conviction of the truthfulness of God, regardless of the, the Greek word, the translation of faith, it's really a, a, a serious conviction, commitment to trusting God without, without doubt. Doubting, the word there actually means opposed to, which is interesting. When we doubt, we're actually opposed to God. You're lying, God. You're not telling me the truth. We see faith in God's will here. He, of course, wants us to have wisdom in that passage. If any of you lacks wisdom, his will is for us to have wisdom. That's another will of God. He says, ask for it in faith, without doubting. Um, and that can go for everything with his will. Don't doubt. Don't be opposed to what he wants to do. Third one. Uh, Gruden mentions obedience. Can you read? Proverbs 15, 8 and 29. Okay, this is a, a, a theme in a lot of the Proverbs. Um, the word acceptable um, there, also some translations, delight. It's delight, a favor, a desire, a will. God loves it when we're obedient, when we're righteous. He hears our prayers. He loves interacting with us, that relationship we talked about earlier. Um, we have that with our children, right? When they're disobedient, go to time out. Or the relationship's broken in some way. Uh, same thing with God. God enjoys when we pray out of righteousness that he imputed to us. It's not our own righteousness. We always want to clarify that. But uh, when we pray out of that righteousness uh, in obedience, uh, he delights in it. That's an amazing thought. He's a, he's a happy father. He's giddy with us. Kirk, can you read 1 Peter 3.12? Okay, same thing. Uh, the context there, uh, preceding verses talk about the conduct we should have as redeemed people. Peter's talking about because of the salvation, because of the righteousness he gave you, and so on and so forth, we should act this way. And then he says when we do, he, he hears us again. He's a loving father. He delights in interacting with us. Again, according to his will, according to faith, and now according to obedience, we can have a 
personal relationship with God, talk to him as father and child. What should understanding this verse uh, do to us, the believer? Which is? Right. Obedience, not, not being legalistic, not to earn anything from God, but because of who he is and what he's done in us, and that's his nature, to be more Christ-like, that should be a goal for us, to be more righteous. And again, he delights in that. And that enhances our prayer, our talking with him, our communication with him. Freddie, can you read the next one? 1 John 3, 21, 22. Okay, here we have all those together. The number one that we discussed, the will of God, the faith, and now the obedience, all tied together in this passage. And again, it delights God when we come to him in faith, according to his will, and in obedience. Right? That word confidence again, same as before. A free, fearless, unreserved assurance. We're absolutely confident. It's pleasing to him, agreeable to his desires. Grudem says, uh, when we come before God through his grace, we come cleansed by the blood of Christ. Okay, So he makes that clear from the beginning, that we're saved, we don't have to do anything to earn it, but then he says, yet we must not neglect the biblical emphasis on personal holiness of life, what Tony mentioned earlier. Prayer and holy living go together. There is much grace in the Christian life, but growth and personal holiness is also a route to much greater blessing. And this is true with respect to prayer as well. Uh, in some of these passages we talked about and others uh, that he quotes, uh, teach that all other things being equal, more exact obedience will lead to increased effectiveness in prayer. Because that relationship is not hindered. Um, so God's hearing us. He's delighting in us. Um, and you can see Hebrews 12, 14 and James 4, 3 to 4 um, to go with that quote. Any comments, thoughts? Number four. Gruda mentions for considerations and effective prayers, confession of sins. This is probably one we don't like to do very often. Uh, and we mentioned earlier, but uh, obedience, relationship, parents with children. And we talked about how we um, deal with our children um, when there's disobedience. Grudem goes on to say, because our obedience to God is never perfect in this life, we continually depend on his forgiveness for our sins. Confession of sins is necessary in order for God to forgive us in the sense of restoring day-to-day -day relationship with him. We're already forgiven eternally, but uh, our day-by-day -day relationship, which can be broken every time we sin, uh, we need to restore that. We need to confess. Uh, I'll just throw it out there for anybody to read Matthew 6.12. Very familiar, but goes with this. From his Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is saying, confess that. At least not into temptation. That it should be part of our regular prayer pattern. Pardon me? We do that. Do we? So regular part of our prayer life should be confession of our sins, according to Jesus. And we're supposed to model that by forgiving others, he says in the same passage. Restoring relationships again. 
We can't hold grudges. How can we hold grudges or, or things against somebody else and then come to God like everything's hunky-dory? Jarrett, can you read 1 John 1.9? That's a great promise. And the word just there is interesting. It literally means righteous. It goes to the confidence we can have in prayer. If we confess out of a right heart, God is righteous in forgiving us. Uh, that's, that's an interesting thought. It's also very encouraging. That it's part of his character. It's part of his nature to rightly, uh, justly forgive us when we come with a right heart in, in confessing our sins. It's like he has no choice but to forgive us. And the word forgive there, forsake and suffer loss for. Usually we think of forgive as just blotting out or ignoring or writing it off. Uh, but it's a reminder that he suffered loss for our sins. So it's an interesting word there. When we read that, it's a reminder what he did for that sin. He suffered for it. Um, that should encourage us in our prayer. Veronica, can you read Psalm 19, 7 to 13? So, what does this passage tell us about the relationship between obedience and confession, what we've been talking about? Well, it also goes with what we said earlier about studying Scripture. We see the preceding verses there. The, um, about knowing God's commandments, delighting in them, uh, making them a part of our life so that we won't sin. Right? And even confessing our hidden sins that we don't really have in our mind. And then also protecting us against future sins. Keeping that relationship with the Lord. And the psalmist is praying for that. That's a pretty effective prayer. Yes, Tony. A lot of the Psalms are good for that, for um, confessing sin, guarding against sin, restoring that relationship with the Lord. Um, that's one of the benefits of reading through the Psalms. We see that a lot with David. He's even asking to keep from future sin, we mentioned that, to keep the relationship from souring. Uh, James 5.16, very uh, familiar. Carl, can you read that? James 5.16. No problem. Confession. Amen. Confess. Means to acknowledge fully. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't make excuses. Um, confess it. God already knows it. You're not hiding anything from Him. Um, but again, He wants to restore that relationship. Uh, one another's to one another that James links to, together here. Confess to one another, pray for one another. And what does James say this accomplishes? You. That you would be healed, right? In this case, it's, it's physical, but it could be relational, um, spiritual. So there's a blessing for confession. Kirk, earlier it said that we, we are to pray according to righteousness. Uh, one of the passages we read earlier, according to the righteousness that Christ has given us. So, it's, yeah, it's not of our own. We're praying in and according to that righteousness. You were going to say something, Carl? Yeah, you linked it all together. Therefore, it said, 
in uh, verse 16. What is it there for? Well, it goes to the preceding verses, of course, in context. Because of who we are, because of what God's done, uh, therefore we can pray this way, in confidence in everything we've talked about. The next one is five, but we're just about out of time. So uh, we'll leave it with that. Do you want me to continue, or do you want Victor to come back? I'd be more than happy not to do it again. No, I, I've, I've got halfway, less than halfway through. Yeah, the next one was forgiving others. But let's go ahead and pray. Lord, uh, we do thank you uh, for the study of your word as always. Uh, we do ask that you would help us in this area of prayer where so many of us are, are lacking. Uh, help us to establish these truths in our hearts and our minds to seek to talk to you regularly, uh, to seek to uh, pray according to your will, to pray in faith, to pray in obedience, Lord, um, and to pray confessing our sins. Help us with our relationship with you in that regard, and we pray that your will would be done in our lives. You would continue to sanctify us and grow us in maturity and Christ-likeness, and may you receive all the glory from it. Amen.